Um, the reading is from Do What You Can by Reverend Peter Friedrich. Do What You Can. This part of the late Reverend Forrest uh, Church's mantra, he tells us, focus our mind on what is possible, no more, no less, thereby filling each moment with conscious, practicable endeavors. In this simple statement, church is at once acknowledging that we have power and control over our destiny, while he is also acquiescing to the limitations and boundaries that we experience as human beings. He is orienting us toward the feasible and the achievable, knowing full well that as individuals we are limited in our reach and our scope. In one of the closing chapters of Love and Death, Church bemoans how much wasted energy we spend trying to do what we can't, and how often we fail to optimize our efforts and therefore achieve the significant goals that do lie within our power. He goes on to tell us that when we quit trying because we will fail to achieve our pipe dreams, we overlook all we actually could accomplish by putting our shoulders squarely to the right wheel. When church instructs us to do what you can, he is calling us to let go of dreams of grandiosity and to focus on the meaningful accomplishments we can achieve within the context of our everyday lives. I ask you to notice that church's phrase do what you can, has a Buddhist ring to it. It does not concern itself with consequences, and it asks us to release ourselves from attachment to outcomes. Do what you can, a simple imperative to act within the scope of our ability. Don't worry about the impact. That will take care of itself. While Forrest was eminently practical in his approach to life, he accepted that life is ultimately a profound mystery and that the impact of our lives cannot be known. In their work, How Can I Help?, Ram Dass and Paul uh, Gorman tell us that service is ultimately a journey into the unknown. If we obsess over the effects of our actions, whether we're the first monkey or the hundredths, the first drop in the bucket or the last, we may, because of the apparent futility, choose simply never to act at all. Das and Gorman tell us that we have, choice to, we have a choice to make. We can either be frustrated and worn out by the uncertainty and doubt, they write, or try to find a way that is open to the ambiguity, embrace, embrace it, work with it, be moved and inspired by it, and thereby come closer to the very heart of service where true freedom is found. This letting go outcome, letting go of outcomes, is embedded in Forest Church's simple statement. And it rings true to the statement of Jesus when, after telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, he instructed the lawyer simply to go and do likewise. Ramdas says, we give it all we have, 
and trust the rest to God, to nature, to the universe. We do everything we can do to relieve someone's suffering, but we are willing to surrender attachments to how we want things to be. When we look at our world today and think about all of those things that we would like to change, all of those places where pain exists in our world, all of those places where unfairness exists in our world, all of those places where inequality exists in our world, where need and want run rampant in our world, it's easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to despair thinking about all of the things that need to be changed in our world. It's not easy. It's hard often to put on a standing on the side of love clothing and get ready to face making some sort of change, knowing that any change that we can make will be just a drop in the bucket. But Forrest Church and Peter Friedrichs remind us to do what you can. Forrest Church might have been talking about personal goals, but I think that the message to do what you can works just as well for those of us who are seeking to change our world, to shape it in an image of love and compassion. Small changes, we are reminded, can bring about big results when they're added one to another, when they multiply one to another. Small victories are necessary in big struggles. They're necessary. Any of us who have spent time doing social justice work, as I have for many years, understand that when you're doing justice work, when you're involved in any sort of campaign for change, in our society, you have to celebrate the small victories every step of the way. Because if you don't, if you don't, the scope of what needs to be done overwhelms you. The scope of all the things that need to be changed can easily overwhelm you. It can depress you. It can get you down. So you need to recognize every single time you make a victory, every single time you make a small change, Every single time you change one person's mind, every single time you change one unjust law, when one hungry person is fed, when one homeless person has shelter, you need to celebrate those times. Because if you don't celebrate those times, it's it's really easy to let the scope of all there is that needs to be doing, needs, needs doing, easy to let it overwhelm you. At first, when I was thinking about this sermon, a sermon that I will admit was requested by the worship committee this summer, I despaired. How many times, I thought, can I say the same thing over and over again? Do what you can. Do what you can. Do what you can. They're really going to get bored. I thought, I despaired. What, what really is the message deeper than that? But do what you can is not a message that we get every day. 
All too often we are taught that it is our responsibility to save the entire world in one fell swoop. And yet none of us can do that. We can, however, do what we can. We can, however, address small, manageable parts. One of the things that each of us can change is ourselves. And we are reminded by theologians near and far that to change ourselves is also to change the world. We are each responsible not for saving the entire world in one fell swoop, but to add small amounts of goodness to it every day. And when I think about what it takes to add small amounts of goodness to our world, I go back to one of my very favorite theologians. His name was Henry Nelson Wyman. He was a Unitarian theologian in the early 20th century, and he studied with the process theologians, and and the process theologians are among my very favorite. They inform who I am and how I am in the world, because they thought, they taught that each of us is always in the process of becoming something new. Every new encounter that we have, every new experience that we have changes us. You can't go back once you've heard something. You can't unhear something that you've heard. You can't unhave a relationship that you've formed. And so every new thing that we encounter changes us, even in very small ways. And so we are all in the process constantly of changing, of becoming, of becoming something new. And Henry Nelson Wyman asked the question, if we are all in the process of becoming something new, if everything in our world is in a constant state of of progress and change and growth and, and just becoming, how do we direct that becoming towards the good? How do we change ourselves to become better? Because we can change ourselves in any way. You know, we can change to become worse. We can change to become better. There's not necessarily a direction to that. So how do we direct that change? How do we change ourselves to become better? How do we change our society to become better? And Wyman Wyman said that the ultimate power that any of us have is the creative power. The ability to deepen and transform things. To deepen and transform our relationships with things, most especially. And the creative event, Wyman wrote, is what adds goodness to our world. And Wyman taught that the creative event has four parts to it. And I'm going to paraphrase Dear Dense Wyman and and hope that I get his four parts at least close Here's how I understand what Wyman wrote. He wrote that the creative event has four parts to it. One is having an awareness of another being, of another person, of another entity, of of something with whom we are in relationship. We have to be aware that that other being is in our midst and that we are related to it. Step two is integrating that awareness into our lives. Once we're aware, once I am aware of my relationship to you, how does that awareness change the way I behave? How does that awareness change who I am? That's step two. Step three is is intentionally expanding 
the quality of our relationship with, one, with, with that other being, that other person, that other entity. So I'm aware. I'm aware of my relationship with you. I'm committed to changing myself as, as a result of it. And so I expand the quality of my relationship. I deepen my relationship with you. And step four is that we both feel a deeper sense of connection to the community of which we are a part. And those four things go in a cycle. You become aware. You integrate that awareness. You change yourself by deepening relationships. And then in a deeper relationship, you are more connected to the community. And then you're aware of more relationships that you have in the community that you're around, that, that's around you. And here I'll mostly quote from Wyman, and, and again, I can't quote him directly because it's just too dense to understand. He wrote, the greater good cannot be attained by seeking directly to increase goods or satisfactions or quality or power. These can be increased only by promoting that kind of transformation that comes from the creative event. If you want more goodness around you, if you want to better the world around you, if you want to make the community that's around you better, if you want to have more goodness in your life, the only way that that can come about, he said, is by transforming yourself through relationships with the people that are around you and thus transforming the people that are around you as well. The creative event, he writes, weaves a web of meaning between individuals and groups, between the organism and its environment. He says that in order to add good to the universe, we must be willing to be transformed ourselves. We must be willing to be changed. When I change, the world changes, reminds our friend, reminds our friend from the Philippines. This reminds me of the curricula that I teach. Um, a few weeks ago, you might have heard Lara, our intern minister, talk about our whole lives, the comprehensive sexuality curriculum we teach in our religious education program. Well, our whole lives is based on an educational model of experiential learning. Each activity is followed by questions that ask the participants in the class three questions. What? So what? And now what? So what did we just learn? So what does that mean? And now what are we going to do about it? The whole curriculum is based on this, this cycle of experiential learning, probably very familiar to those of you who are teachers in which it is understood that if we learn something and don't integrate that learning into our lives, if we learn something and don't understand how our relationship to the things around us is different from having learned that thing, we might as well not have learned it at all. And so we come back to making our world a better place, even in small steps. And I think not being overwhelmed by all of the needs of our world boils down to four things. Four things pretty similar to Wyman's steps for creating good in our world. First, I think we need to seek an awareness of others. An awareness based on real relationship. 
an awareness grounded in universalist theology, which teaches us that everyone, everyone on this earth is equally deserving of love and forgiveness. Every one of us, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter who we are, no matter what our background, every one of us is equally deserving of love and forgiveness. And so we become aware of one another with that understanding that everyone that we're aware of is equally deserving of love. And then we do what we can. We do what we can to make someone else's situation better. We do what we can to change our interaction with the, with the world. Third, we learn something from that creative interchange. We take the time to reflect. We take the time to ponder, to think, to maybe pray or meditate on these things. We take the time to transform ourselves and we change ourselves for the better. And fourth, we emerge from that reflection back into relationship, ready to do something more, ready to see something else differently, ready to do what we can, little by little, to transform our world in an image of love. Little by little, in steps that we can do, relationship by relationship by relationship, it's not so overwhelming. It's life-affirming. It's energy-giving. It's not draining and leading to burnout. It feeds our souls to engage in that business of relationship and transformation for ourselves and for others. So do what you can. Love how you can. Spread just a little bit more goodness into our world every day. If everyone did that, if everyone took that seriously, it wouldn't be so overwhelming, the things that we need to change in our world, because our world would be filled with love. May it be so.